Today on Building in Faith with Pastor Ed Jones. Building in Faith. In James 1, 3 to 4, it says, Because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature, not lacking anything. The idea of perseverance there, it's someone who's going to go through the trial and they're going to develop strength as they go through the trial. They're going to develop an inner fortitude. They're going to exercise their spiritual muscles as it were. Reaching up high with arms open wide we see You're changing our lives so we can be our hands and feet As trials come our way in life, we can be sure of many truths that come from the Bible. Not only will God stay by our sides during those difficult times, but He will also use the hard times to strengthen us and to develop a deeper relationship with Him, if we will allow it. God allows us to walk through trials, not because He wants to bring us pain, but so that we will learn to lean on Him. Pastor Ed encourages us in today's message to turn to God always and to allow the good times and the hard times to grow us in our trust of Him. Now here's Pastor Ed with today's edition of Building in Faith. Building in Faith. The book of James, the first chapter, James chapter 1 in your Bibles. James chapter 1, beginning to read with verse 2. Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. If any of you lacks wisdom, He should ask God, who gives generously to all without finding fault, and it will be given to him. But when he asks, he must believe and not doubt, because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, blown and tossed by the wind. That man should not think he'll receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all he does. The brother in humble circumstances ought to take pride in his high position. But the one who is rich should take pride in his low position because he will pass away like a wildflower for the sun rises with scorching heat and withers the plant. Its blossom falls and its beauty is destroyed. In the same way, the rich man will fade away even while he goes about his business. Blessed is the man who perseveres under trial. Because when he has stood the test, he'll receive a crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. A pastor went up to one of his parishioners. She had suffered greatly. Her husband had some incurable disease. He had gone blind. She herself suffered from a minor stroke. She could no longer hold her job as a secretary. And they faced one trial after another. The pastor, wanting to comfort her, went to her and said, I want you to know I'm praying for you. She responded, what are you praying, pastor? Now, he was taken back by that. He thought for a second, well, I'm praying that 
the Lord would heal you. I'm praying for God's mercy in your life. I'm praying that God will help you in this difficult time, that he'll give you grace and strength. And, and he went on articulating the usual things we pray for people. And then she said, Pastor, uh, could I have a, one more request? I'd like you to pray for one other thing. Pray that I won't waste this suffering. Pray that I won't waste all this suffering. That's what James is saying. James recognizes that believers go through trials and he wants us to profit from our trials. He wants us to mine them, as it were, and get something out of them. As believers, we must recognize God has a purpose for our trials. In James chapter 1, verses 2 to 4, we read, Consider it pure joy, my brothers, whenever you face trials of many kinds. Notice that, whenever you face trials of many kinds. When you were born, think about the birth experience. You were in a warm womb. The walls around you were warm. You were floating in some safe liquid. And all of a sudden the birth process began and the walls felt like they were constricting and turning you upside down and pushing you out and somebody grabs you by the head and smacks you and that's your greeting into this world. Well, someone said we are born wet, naked, and hungry. And then things get worse. Trials, according to this text, are absolutely unavoidable. It didn't say if you face a trial. It says whenever. It's not a matter of ifness. It's a matter of whenness. When you face a trial. It's unavoidable. Job said, yet man is born to trouble as surely as sparks fly upward. Man is born into this world... And you're guaranteed that you're going to have trials and troubles and tribulations in your life. Now, trials are also unexpected. The King James translates that verse, when you fall into various trials. And in the Greek, the language conveys the idea, it's something that happens. Uh, It's something that happens unexpectedly. You're walking along and suddenly... The bottom is pulled out or the roof caves in or something happens. It's just unexpected. You can't plan for trials. You say, boy, if I, I'm going to have a trial uh, the middle of next year in January, January the 15th. I want to postpone the trials for you. So the next year, 2007, I'm going to have a trial. You'd be able to have a whole year to prepare for that trial. But it doesn't happen like that. It just comes on you. It's unexpected. And trials are unpredictable. Trials of what? Many kinds. All different trials we face. Financial trials, spiritual trials, trials in relationships with people. We have uh, trials inside where we battle with all sorts of emotions. Uh, All sorts of trials, a variety of trials come our way. Now, James says something really strange. Count it all joy. You gotta be kidding, Pastor. Count it all joy. I'm singing, pass me by, pass me by. <laughs> Count it all joy. Well, give James a chance. Listen 
to how he approaches it. First of all, he sees the role of trials in the believer's life. Because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. The testing of your faith. Now, that word know in the Greek is gnosko. It means to know by experience. It's experiential knowledge. You can know that know that trials are attesting to your faith. Will I trust God? Will I not? Will I believe him? Will I lean on the arm of flesh? Will I go his way? Will I go my way? It's, it's a testing. The word testing is not just, it does mean the idea to test what you've learned, to test how far you've come. It's like a test in a school, but it's more than that. This word testing means that God adds something to you in the trial. Now, hold that thought. Think about that through the sermon because you're going to see this is true. The idea of testing is that in the midst of your test, God is building your character. He's doing something on the inside. He's giving you something that will come in no other way but through a test. As you think about the role of trials in your life, sometimes you want to avoid them. But I'll tell you, if you avoid them, you will be of little use to the kingdom of God. Ladies, can you tell me who these women are? Elizabeth Elliot, Johnny Erickson Tata, Barbara Johnson, Florence Latoury, Kay Arthur, Beth Moore. Can you tell me who they are? You know them? They're all famous Christian writers and speakers and communicators. If you go behind the door and look into their lives, you will see one trial after another is characteristic of all of those women. That's something they have all in common. Elizabeth Elliot, her husband was a, a martyr for the cause of Christ. Her second husband died of um, cancer. Johnny Erickson Tata, a quadriplegic, suffered uh, tragically, but yet she triumphed over it. Barbara Johnson lost sons to death, and, and then she battled with brain cancer. Kay Arthur uh, had to leave the mission field because of a heart problem. And you look at Beth Moore. She suffered abuse, sexual abuse, from a close male relative. And so much of their ministry comes out of that brokenness. And unless we recognize what James is saying, we're going to, when the trials come, we're going to be either bitter, we're going to try and just avoid them completely, we're going to waste the trials that were sent and meant to refine us. The value of trials in the believer's life We've looked at the role of trials, but the value of trials in the believer's life. In James 1, 3 to 4, it says, Because you know that the testing of your faith develops perseverance. Perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature, not lacking anything. The idea of perseverance there is someone who's going to go through the trial and they're going to develop strength as they go through the trial. They're going to develop an inner fortitude. They're going to exercise their spiritual muscles, as it were. When the Russian astronauts years ago went into space, they spent over 200 days in space, and when they came back, they were not able to move 
and they weren't able really to function well because all of their muscles had lost the tone and they weren't used to exerting energy because of the weightlessness there and so it took a while to rehabilitate them they designed from that those astronaut suits where there's a resistance when they go in outer space they have to put forth effort so they don't lose the tone of their muscles and they don't lose in a sense that strength God knows that if you don't have pressure and you don't have stress and you don't have trials you're going to be a spiritual marshmallow you're not going to be able to be used by God I was talking to Danny Danny was a missionary for years and he was influenced to go on the mission field by a man by the name of Dr. Joseph uh, San. Dr. Joseph San was a Romanian pastor. And this pastor suffered incredible persecution. They told him they didn't want him to preach. They interrogated him. They came to his house and they confiscated all of his books, all of his Christian literature. And the very first book that he gave, the police that came to his house, was titled, The Joy of the Lord, It is Yours Now. And when he gave that book to them, he realized, if I don't have the joy of the Lord now, that's when I need it right now, it's not really real. He was interrogated all that week long. That Sunday, he stood in his pulpit and he preached from Nehemiah, the joy of the Lord is my strength. Afterwards, congregants came up to him and said, Pastor, we were wondering what you were going to preach on Sunday morning. We were wondering what you were going to say to us. And we heard you preach on joy, but not only that, it shone right out of your countenance, right from your face. We saw it in you. We need to demonstrate the joy that comes from a relationship with God. We recognize that we can go through trials and hard times and tribulations, but all of that doesn't take our joy away. See, James is telling us that we can have joy in the midst of our trials. I heard about a pastor in Florida, and he would often call for parties. And people would ask, uh, well, Pastor, uh, you're calling for a party now. Uh, what are we celebrating? Your anniversary? Your birthday? Uh, you had some type of promotion? Uh, wh what happened? And the pastor said, oh, I'm just taking the Bible literally. Counted all joy when you fall into various trials. He literally had an all joy trial party. Now, I've never done that, and I don't know that any of you have either. But James is saying, when you go through the trial... Know that God is going to use it in your life for good. That he is going to perfect your life spiritually. See, if your desire is to become more like Jesus Christ, if your heart longing is to be like Christ, when you go through that hard place and God does inner surgery on the inside, you're going to be rejoicing because you see the image of Christ being formed in you. It doesn't mean that you say, man, am I happy that I've lost my job? No, it doesn't mean that. You're not going to say, oh, am I excited? I'm sick again. Oh, let another sickness come my way. No, you're not saying that at all. What you are saying is this, God, I'm not enjoying that trial, and that's not easy, and that's not easy, and but God, somehow in the midst of it, I'm going to draw very close to you. And I'm going to know the joy of the Lord in my heart. There's a film called The China Cry. 
It depicts Christians suffering for their faith. They have to be very careful how they express their faith because if too many people know, they will be persecuted. In China, where the church has been so persecuted for so many years, they have an incredible joy. Why? Because God is in their life, and God is central to their life, and their life is not built on sand. It's built on the solid rock, Christ Jesus. So James tells us that we can have joy in our trials. If you look at this pattern, first there are trials, and God uses it to test us, put something inside of us. And then as we persevere, we go through that trial and we persevere, it leads to maturity, Christ-likeness. Now, you say to me, Pastor, I just can't see it. How can I get joy in this trial? I can't even hardly think about this trial. It's so difficult every time I think about it, I just want to, well, run away. Well, that's what James says in the next couple of verses. He says, you know what you need to do? You need God's wisdom for your trial. Because all of us have an aversion to pain, to suffering, to difficulties. We just pull away from it. It's a normal thing. But James says, pray. Ask the God of heaven for how you are to handle that trial. Receiving God's wisdom in our trials. Everybody knows that there's no virtue in suffering and trials in and of themselves. You know that trials can, well, it could destroy a person. A person goes through suffering and tragedy and trials. Some people, it just takes everything out of them. They're never the same after that. They're a basket case. Trials can make us or they can unmake us. And God wants them to make us. He wants us to benefit from them. See, we must recognize our need of wisdom. James tells us that. If any of you lacks wisdom, the indication is that we do lack wisdom. That's the implication. That's what he's implying. If any of you lacks wisdom, what should he do? He should ask God. The wisdom is looking at your situation from God's perspective. Wisdom is God's viewpoint on my situation. How does God see it? Well, I know how the world might see it, but how does God see it? The world might say, oh, poor little you. Poor little you. And then you take a bath in self-pity. And then you become discouraged. And then the dark cloud of depression follows you. Where to go to God for his wisdom? He'll show us how to handle those trials. See, God, his nature is to give. God wants to give. The text says he should ask God who gives generously. God is a giving God. He loves to give. He enjoys giving. And he loves giving in abundance. So you can go to God and you can be confident when you ask God, God, I need wisdom in my situation. God is not going to say to you, wait a minute. You came last week and you came the week before and you know the other week, that, and what did you do with that wisdom I gave you? He does, he's not going to upbraid you. He's not going to rebuke you or correct you. He's not going to say, listen, you and I have talked about this for a long time, and you haven't been listening too well. He's not going to do any of those things. He's going to give 
generously in your circumstance and situation. He's going to give you insight how to deal with that difficulty that you're walking through. Now it tells us we have to ask in faith for wisdom in verses 6 to 8. But when he asked, he must believe and not doubt because he who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. You know how waves are this way and that way, the other way and backward. And that's what happens to a person who is not walking in faith. They're this way and they're that way and they're the other way and they're back and forth. And James says, don't be like that because what's going to ground you, what's going to keep you, what's going to hold you is a faith in Almighty God, a trust in Him. He describes doubt in this way. James is probably thinking of a strong kind of doubting, a basic division within the believer that brings about a wavering and inconsistent attitude towards God. It's sort of like this. God, I'm in this trial. Give me wisdom to deal with this situation. Show me how to handle it. Hmm, I don't think I like that too much. Hi, sister so-and-so, can I just talk to you about my trial? Hi, brother so-and-so, can I talk to you about, uh, uh, can I just have a prayer request for you? Immediately what we do is God speaks to us, tells us what to do, gives us a word, and maybe we hang in there a little while with it, but suddenly we go over here and we begin asking everybody everything, asking them for their counsel, their wisdom, and, and what happens is we forgot that God spoke to us. Don't be double-souled. That's what the text means when it says double-minded. It means two-souled, going this way and going that way, being torn apart. How many are in a trial, leaving a trial, going out of a trial, or just getting ready to enter one? Let me ask you a question. When you share with other people to help them in the Christian journey, where do you usually share from? The mountaintop or the valley? Now, sometimes the mountaintop, but oftentimes it's in the valley. When you've gotten to the bottom and you say, I want you to know you could stand on the rock of your salvation. You share out of those dark places because God blazed, as it were, a passage of Scripture into your soul, and it shines and it's lit your way, and you're able to give others light for their way. I'll rip out the trials out of Abraham's life, and you don't have the father of the faithful. What made Abraham Abraham, what made him the great man of faith, was all of the trials that he encountered. Take those trials out of Genesis, and what do you have of Abraham's life? Very, very little. Maybe the mention of his name or something. I want you now, just for a moment, to close your eyes. I want you to think about the trials. What has God taught you? What is God teaching you? Just talk to him for a moment. Young people, Imagine if you were 15 years old and your dad suddenly in a tragic accident. What would it do to you? Well, Bill started coming to Faith Assembly of God years ago. And when he was about 15 years old, his father, who worked for Metro New York, fell. He hurt himself severely, went into the hospital. He was in a coma for six days. That propelled Bill to come 
and accept Jesus Christ as his personal Lord and Savior. Programs like Building in Faith are wonderful, and we do know that God uses them in the lives of countless believers. We also know that just hearing God's Word is not enough. We must put into practice those things that we are learning. Pastor Ed is taking us through the book of James. We'll learn that we must be doers of the Word and not hearers only. Thanks for joining us for today's edition of Building in Faith. You've been listening to Building in Faith, the radio ministry of Dr. Edward Jones of Faith Assembly in Poughkeepsie, New York. Now we want to encourage you to log on to buildinginfaithradio.com and spend some time getting to know us. Again, to follow Building in Faith and access the archive of messages, log on to buildinginfaithradio.com. When you visit the site, you'll only need to remember today's date. Simply click on today's date. You can listen, download, and even share this message with your friends and family via Facebook and Twitter. If you have any questions, call us. Our phone number is 845-462-5955. That's 845-462-5955. Well, that's all the time we have for today. In the next edition of Building in Faith, Pastor Ed will continue sharing messages from the book of James. So be sure to join us. Until then, may God richly bless you. Your word restores.